The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brand you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where, as you know, we tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who are in the trenches every day building them. I'm your host and founder of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey, and today we're going to discuss a compelling example of branding. Joining us is Dan Benen, and he and I got to talk a little bit before this podcast, a super interesting background, and I think you're going to find his insights interesting, but he's the CEO and founder of AdSpace Agency, which is a full-service strategy design digital marketing agency that helps emerging brands establish and grow faster. Today, Dan and I are going to discuss a D2C strategy that absolutely killed it for Rip Van Waffles. So we're going to discuss killing it with Rip Van Waffles. They had an insane D2C strategy that I think you'll find interesting. We're going to get a little bit of the Amazon versus direct Shopify. So excited to have uh, my conversation with Dan Ben-Nun, CEO and founder at AdSpace Agency. Hey, what's up, man? Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. And it was awesome working with Rip Van on... They're a super cool brand. They're actually sold in Whole Foods, Starbucks. I know they were in Sprouts, Kroger, Pete's Coffee, a lot of other big box retailer across the nation. So really, really cool product. And I'll kind of, before I just dive into the whole story, I'll let you ask the questions. Yeah, no, no worries. But Dan, I, I, like I said, we talked a little bit before we started this, but I'd love for the audience to get a better understanding of your background, because I know you had a lot of digital marketing background and you've done a lot of interesting things in the industry. So I'd love just a quick minute or so plus on kind of your background and how you got to where you're at today. Definitely. So I love digital marketing. I've been involved in digital marketing for over a decade. I initially started an agency based in Tel Aviv, Israel called Prescience. We were working with a lot of consumer SaaS companies and fintech companies, helping them acquire customers and scale. So doing a lot of performance advertising, landing page, CRO, conversion rate optimization, obviously, and other kind of marketing campaigns to drive customer acquisition, as well as some SEO and some other web design and development projects. We actually developed several web properties as part of that agency, and some of them were affiliate networks. And so the entire portfolio, including the agency, was acquired in a transaction in 2012, which was a nice kind of small exit for me and my co-founder. I then shifted my focus towards the e-commerce side and started Inkas, I-N-K-K-A-S.com. It was a uh, sustainable ethical footwear company that we launched in 2012. The brand story is kind of cool. So I'll just share the brand story in 20 seconds. I was actually traveling around South America, doing a little backpacking trip, just kind of in my late 20s. 
came across, went to Machu Picchu, which is obviously a very famous spot in Peru, and came across some local artisans in the market there making authentic South American footwear using real textiles from indigenous population of the Andes. Thought it was an amazing product, thought it had like a great story behind it, really unique and had global appeal. And so I actually founded the Incas company in order to kind of model that product and bring it to the world. So we started sourcing from these local artisans, bringing this really unique footwear, launched a Kickstarter campaign, did over 100K in about 30 days on that Kickstarter campaign, kind of launched the company and it kind of took off on its own, ended up placing that product into stores like Nordstrom, Whole Foods, Macy's, Forever 21, Urban Outfitters. So it was a really cool, fun project. Started in 2012, eventually was acquired by Marcus Limonis, the CEO of Camping World in 2016. Worked on, uh, stayed on board for about a year after it was acquired, helped kind of grow the brand, did a super cool collaboration with Star Wars and some other really cool collaborations. And then after that, did my MBA at the University of Texas. And while I was doing my MBA, was doing a lot of consulting for e-commerce brands on the side and eventually spun that out into my new agency, AdSpace, that works directly with D2C brands, doing a lot of consulting, both on the performance marketing side, CRO, Shopify, web design and development, and other kind of associated marketing projects on that side. At this point, we've worked with over 100 brands at AdSpace. We've done all the way from pre-revenue to 250 to $300 million annual revenue enterprise-level e-commerce brands. So we've gotten a really large kind of amount of experience and exposure to the market. And we have some really cool principles and strategies that we implement for our clients to help them grow. That's awesome. Okay. I have so many, <laughs> I have so many questions. Where do I start? Machu Picchu? I mean, seems like almost like a to- similar Tom story a little bit, but completely different. Camping world is funny. You mentioned camping a lot. I actually had an RFP and I think we, I lost the business, but we pitched camping world a while back. I really think the one insight that I heard from you that I hear from a lot of marketers, and I don't think it's talked about enough is look, people that are at agencies go to brands and sometimes even start brands and people at brands even come back into agency world. And it's such a, interesting swing set, like of swinging back and forth. You know, like a good friend of mine uh, started a company called Bad Birdies and the golf industry is like killing it. It's like kind of the last golf shirts. And we get to talking like, you know, I'm a fan of his golf brand. And he's like, oh yeah, I was, you know, I was, a, I was in a film production, commercial production space for ad commercials in LA. And we knew all the same people and kind of hearing your story too. Like I think what people forget that come to work, at least at, at my agency and some of my friends' agencies, is what you're going to learn can catapult you into so many options, whether you want to work on brand side or whether you want to stay on agency side or whether you're... I, I really do think that agency experience will give you some of the experience and equipment and connections needed to start a brand, which is what you did, which is which is pretty badass. And I just think... Like I've, I've now started a couple of brands. So I don't know, I'm just hearing that story and I, I love your background. I think that's why I wanted the audience to hear your background. I mean, you've sold companies, you've sold agencies, you've worked on brands. Uh, now you're back working with D2C companies because you've kind of had both hats on. You've had the agency hat, you've had the brand hat, you've had the founder hat. And so as a D2C brand, I definitely would have confidence talking to you about, about launching my shit. So that, that's pretty cool. Let's get to the brand that I completely butchered that I had, uh, you know, lined up for my producer and called Rip Van Winkles. But let's talk a little bit about this specific campaign, why it's successful. And then I want to parking lot a few questions because I've had Amazon agency specific people on. We're uh, going to have a more, I think, 
objective opinion. So I have some Amazon questions for you, uh, especially for when you talk about e-commerce. So parking lot that question, but let's get into this campaign, why it's successful. And if there's a common thread of the campaign that you think produced its success and what other D2C brands can learn from it. Absolutely. Yeah. Great question. So let's dive in. First thing you said was that going back from the brand and agency side really gives you a unique skill set. And I totally agree with that. I think that that's actually one of our biggest selling points at AdSpace is that when you start an e-commerce brand in your garage, you go on Kickstarter, you do everything kind of the super scrappy bootstrap method. You really learn to appreciate the brand side and the struggles of these founders and how they come up from nothing, build multi-million dollar brands and really have to do everything in-house at the beginning until they have the money and the budget to hire these agencies. And I do think that really puts you in touch with the struggle of the brand owners and helps you see things from their perspective. In regards to Rip Van specifically, beautiful brand story. The founder's name is Rip, so that's really cool. Him and his co-founder Marco actually started Rip Van in their dorm room in 2012. I believe they went to Brown. I could be wrong on that, but Wherever they went, they started it in their college dorm room in 2012. They were frustrated with unhealthy snack options. They decided to kind of create this waffle that they kind of perfected in their dorm room. And obviously, it grew very rapidly into a wholesale brand. So they were actually selling it in gas stations. They were selling it in Starbucks, Whole Foods, Pete's Coffee, you know, all these kind of national retailers. So they had built a brand that was... I don't want to disclose their annual revenue numbers, but it was a nine-figure kind of retail brand that was very successful in placing them in these national retail chains. Then COVID hit. And what happened during COVID? Everybody understood they needed a D2C channel. And they had kind of underdeveloped their D2C channel. They really didn't have a direct-to-consumer Shopify-based channel that was really producing a lot of their revenue. Uh, The vast majority of their revenue was driven through wholesalers, and retail partnerships. So that's when they got in touch with me. I started working with them to help them launch their own D2C channels. So they essentially had uh, very, very low, close to zero sales on their D2C channel when we started working together. So we had a big challenge in front of us. We had to understand, okay, how do we ramp this up from what is essentially almost nothing per year into a massive channel. How many retail locations were they in at this point? So if I remember correctly, they were carried in over 12,000 locations across the nation. And I think that's a lower estimate. So it, it was probably something... Mainly, was it grocery or convenience? Which What was the major challenge split? It's hard for me to kind of give too many details for two reasons. Number one, I don't want to kind of your strategy. But number two... I would say that they were definitely carried in grocery stores, convenience stores, and coffee shops. So all three of those locations, yeah. The reason I'm asking, because I've I've worked in the pancake space, uh, weirdly enough, I was working with a company called Flapjack. I don't know if you're familiar, the the quick mix pancake competitor. And I think Kodak, the one with the bear on it, was like a big competitor of ours. And we were like the whole foods kind of healthy option. So this wasn't in the healthy channel, but they had massive distribution with no D2C sales. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Perfect. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you, but I, I I wanted to get more context to the D2C challenge as you came in to, to get it going. Okay. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no worries at all. So we were essentially starting from scratch and there was a lot of kind of obstacles that we had to manage in order to get them live and running on their Shopify side. Number one, when most consumers typically want to buy kind of a CPG kind of sweet packaged good, 
like a candy bar. They're definitely not typically doing this online. They're typically doing this in a convenience store, at a gas station, at a coffee shop, in these other kind of normal areas where you typically are a little bit hungry. You buy a bottle of water, maybe a coffee, and maybe something to supplement that. And so selling candy bars or sweet packaged goods online is already a challenging prospect. Number two, the average order value is low, right? When you're buying a candy bar, you're looking to spend four or five bucks, sometimes even less. So combining that with Facebook ads or other ad platforms to pay for the CPA, the cost per acquisition of these kind of low cost products is already challenging. So what we had to do is kind of craft a strategy that was focused on two things, bundling, number one, and number two, that was focused on testing the product, right? We reasoned to ourselves that if we could get people to test the product, to taste it once, we could probably get them to be much more comfortable purchasing a case of 24 or 48 of these products. So we came up with this kind of test campaign where we actually were willing to give people one test pack for the price of shipping. Now, the price of shipping not only helped us cover the price of the actual product and the price of shipping, and it kind of let us get to a, a zero sum on the cost of advertising as well. So we were still losing money on running ads and running the test campaigns, but the test campaigns help us seed tens of thousands of people with the product, gave them an opportunity to taste the product, see that they actually love the product, and then we could retarget them since we had their name, email, address, phone number, etc., with the opportunity to buy a larger quantity of the product. So that was the general strategy that we engaged in throughout this campaign, was running kind of taste test campaigns, getting as many people to sign up to that as possible, definitely losing money on the cost of acquisition of those customers, but then retargeting those customers with a really heavy campaign to get them to purchase a 24 or 48 pack that had much better margins and much lower cost of acquisition to get them to upgrade to that kind of better lifetime value. So that was the general strategy that we engaged on the Rip Van Waffles campaign. And it was something that took a lot of time, definitely wasn't kind of a break even out the gate, right? We weren't seeing like amazing results in month one. It did take us several months to kind of tweak that strategy, refine it, and understand how to implement SMS, email flows, other kind of marketing strategies to augment those retargeting campaigns. But overall, it did propel us into a healthy growth phase on the D2C channel at a critical moment in the company's trajectory where retail sales were down and they needed that D2C sales to augment and offset the downturn in D2C in retail since COVID. And was this all direct on to your own website through Shopify? Correct. Correct. You did not be Amazon and my parking lot Amazon question. When you the reason for not engaging in Amazon, was it a margin thing? Was it wanting to build D2C and, and direct? First of all, as a recap, what a great strategy for, for taste. I think we're always just thinking about awareness and, and conversion, but the, the trial, especially in the food business, I, you know, I grew up in, with Pepsi and energy drink category, and it was always cans and hands, cans and hands, cans and hands. And they knew people tasted it and liked it, then they would ultimately buy it. So that's a brilliant strategy. And I think most people don't think about it in terms of D to C. They just think about selling shit as fast as possible. So I love that thought you put around that and for the brand to invest in a strategy like that, that, you know, it's going to have a long tail effect and not immediate sales. But yeah, back to, I guess, the Amazon question, I'm hearing a lot more D to C brands and a lot of Amazon agencies. And basically what they said is, Hey, you know, don't plan on making money for six months to a year as a new brand on Amazon. This is going to be a long-term brand building deal. 
and your margin is going to come later. Any thoughts on Amazon versus Shopify and, and specifically in this case? Yeah. So specifically in this case, I will say that they had a separate Amazon channel that they were running and continue to run. And we were brought in mainly to build the Shopify side, right? So we didn't kind of get as involved on the Amazon side. And they did have some existing assets and strategies and kind of structures there that they had already been implemented prior to us coming on on the Shopify side. What I would say is that the Amazon versus Shopify question is a question we deal with on almost every major company that we work with. And people always ask the same questions. Which one should we focus on? How to kind of navigate between Amazon versus your own D2C channel. The things we always say on this point are that when you have your own D2C channel on Shopify, you own all of your customer data, you own all of your POV, your POS, your point of sale, and all of your interactions with the customer. And so you're able to custom craft your strategies at a much higher degree and a much more personalized level. And that creates a lot more long-term value for the brand. Now, that doesn't mean that that Amazon is not a good channel. Amazon can be an incredibly effective channel, especially for new brands out the gate that really need, they don't want to invest all the money required to create all of the custom email, SMS, Shopify store, CRO, all of the things you need to do to run an effective D2C strategy out the gate. Amazon kind of is that one-stop shop. You can create your listings, you can run ads, you can do so without with minimum backend infrastructure and having Amazon do a lot of the heavy lifting. So there's definitely a lot of value on Amazon out the gate. We've also seen brands in the mid-level of scaling and all the way to the enterprise that also use Amazon and really effectively. Our personal kind of recommendation is to use both channels, but just to understand that at the end of the day, controlling your channel offers the most value to your brand long-term. And so while Amazon is a great channel, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to replace your entire D2C strategy, since obviously that's kind of putting all of your eggs in someone else's basket and leaving yourself up to competition on Amazon, other kind of issues on Amazon that can impact your your sales strategy. Perfectly said. I agree with everything you said. It's a complicated balance, but yeah, ultimately owning your customer data, I think for me is a big deal. The argument for Amazon obviously is People buy a lot of stuff on it uh, with, with the touch of a, a hand print and, and the amount of Amazon Prime members is just, it's insane. And I think Amazon's a, still an underrated ad platform, even if you weren't selling on Amazon. So the, uh, the benefit of actually being able to buy your stuff there and having a great ad platform like Amazon with a lot of engaged users is pretty insane. We're going to wrap it up here with the Read Band podcast. Big thanks to Dan Ben-Nunn, CEO, founder of the AdSpace Agency, for joining us. If you'd like to contact Dan, uh, you can find uh, him on LinkedIn, of course, Dan Ben-Nunn, and that's B-E-N-N-U-N. Or you can visit his company website, danbennunn.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head to the rebrandpod.com. We'll have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. I know you guys by now know how to hit the subscribe button. We're building that audience. We're building that, uh, that marketing community. So please subscribe. Or if you know someone that uh, you know needs to up their marketing game, send them over to us. We'll get them set straight. I'm just kidding. But please subscribe and uh, recommend this to other people that uh, want some of that marketing knowledge and aren't going to read an entire book over two months. If you want to be a guest speaker on the rebrand, we're getting speakers 
your applications every day. So loved it, love to see it. That's how Dan found us. He said, Hey, I want to be a guest. And we're like, Yeah, you're legit. Let's get you on. You can always find us on social media. Probably best to find me. You know, I'm on all the channels. Just Scott Harkey. I know you can Google. You can probably find me. If you haven't subscribed again and you want that daily marketing brilliance, hit that subscribe button. We're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. And remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. Oh,